this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. I wanted to take a moment, and uh, they don't know that this is happening, so um, it's just one of those spring on you things. But um, I want to ask a few people in the room what your takeaway was from the conference. Gene, stay up here. Um, and and at what your what that thing was that stuck out to you that the Lord showed you, and you can't collaborate back there and help each other. Oh, he didn't hear me because I'm not in his ear. Okay, so go ahead, Caitlin, you start. Gene, you're next. Okay, uh, let me think. Well, number one, um, the hunger in the room was really touching to my heart as um, our team has led together for a long time and we've led a lot of things and we've led with a lot of different groups of people and I can honestly say it was the most hungry room that I've ever led worship for. Um, it was... It was easy. I didn't feel like we had to do anything to create anything to be anything. Um, and the first night, I mean, we prepared and, and it was good, but we also have laid down every plan that we had. And uh, the first night I was just tired and I was talking to the Lord um, as Penn described the kingdom in a way that I had never heard before. And I was, the Lord was taking me through while he was talking through the things. There's processes in his kingdom, but he also, there isn't. Um, but he promises things and there's outcomes of that, right? So if he, um, if you hear his word at all and you do it, you will have all you need and all of those things, um, in Romans eight twenty eight and all of that. And the one that the Lord spoke to me that night was the one of, if you're faithful with little, he will give you much. And that's one of the processes that the Lord was leading me through. And I had convinced myself that what if I haven't been faithful with what he's given me? And he reminded me that night that I've been faithful and of the things that he's given me. And he took me back through ways that I had been faithful. And that really helped me because sometimes I forget that. And so the Lord was just really undergirding me and giving me the strength for the next season of what he's calling me into. And truly thank you to everyone who came in here hungry because it made our job way easier. And we were able to actually encounter the Lord as well and not just serve. That's not just for the conference. I, I know you're back there. You're getting all fired up. I can see it in your eyes. Um, it's not just for the conference, but I'm telling you, there is a shift in the atmosphere when you come hungry. Amen? And I don't know what you have to do to come hungry, but I tell you what, um, when, when we walked in here, I mean, we've been praying, laying hands on the chairs, anointing them with oil, doing all the stuff that we know how to do, trying to be obedient to the Lord. But when, when I... I was up in the green room with, that night it was Pastor Penn and Pastor Reed, and we were in the green room, and um, you know, at most conferences, uh, the speakers will come riding in on their horse right at the end of worship or during worship, you don't see them, and, and I was like, I was like, I gotta be in there. Like, I know you guys can come in whenever you want, I gotta go, and they're like, no, we wanna come. And, uh, and after that first night, their number one response was, the hunger of the people. So I just say thank you for being hungry. Thank you for coming into this place, not, not necessarily to hear a good word, although that's fine. We did. 
but that you wanted to encounter the Lord, and that is a mark of mature people. And I know there's lots of people that aren't here, but we probably just wore them out, Stephen. <laughs> like all those nights and all those days, and believe me, whenever everybody left, I was shot. But hopefully you're hungry this morning because he has a word for you in whatever situation you're in. He has a word every single day that will keep you up, that will, that will propel you forward. And some of you have been faithful for a long time in the little things. And uh, I ask you this morning to expand your vision to more. I will gladly stand beside you and hold you up if you want. But come on up. Come on up. He doesn't like to speak in front of people, but he goes to heaven every time he's back behind here and he's playing the, playing the guitar. So share with the people what the Lord showed you this weekend. Um, my biggest takeaway was the Western church has homogenized God. We have uh, put him in a box and then sat him in the corner. And we just need to cut him loose. Uh, because we underestimate God. I went home and I started reading some scriptures and I've been hanging on Acts 8 with Philip. He was told to go a certain place, and there comes this chariot, and he said, go see what he's up to. He goes there, and the Enoch is reading about the Savior. And Philip says, do you know what it is you're reading about? He says, is the guy talking about himself, or is he talking about the Lord? And Philip said, I'll explain it to you. And he went through all of it. And he said, hey, look, there's water. What's stopping me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe in your, with all your heart that Christ is the Son of God, I'll baptize you. Stop the chariot. So they go in the water. They baptized. And as soon as they come out of the water, Philip's gone. He's found in a city miles away. And I went back to Isaiah 53. That's not just a healing chapter. That is the total package. That's salvation and everything else wrapped up in one chapter. And that just blew me away. That's what we need to be focused on. The blood of Christ. Aren't you glad that our team just doesn't play for you? They actually go home and look at scripture and hear the Lord. Isn't that, isn't that great? Does anybody else want to share before I turn the mic off? Anybody else want to share? It's totally cool if you don't, but, oh, there's another. Oh, you're just taking, it's still on. Well, for those of you who weren't here, um, if you're in the loop if you're not in the loop, you need to get in the loop so we can text you. But there's a link that will come out to you today um, that has all of the sermons from the weekend in there. And uh, I was sitting with the Lord this week, breathing, uh, trying to recover from all the stuff um, that went on. You know, it's, it's amazing the ministry that you get when you're in the room. And I know that many will never experience this and that's, I just have to portray to you that your pastor was ministered to in ways that you don't understand, not just what was in the room. And so the hope that they brought to you, they spoke into me, and that's why one of the reasons why they were here. But I was so encouraged by hearing all the different words. So if you weren't here, I'm just going to give you a quick recap, whet your appetite, and then explain what I believe the Lord wants to share this morning. 
So we came in Thursday night, amazing worship, and Penn begins to walk us through all of Asia. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> like, we're gonna walk through Asia, Marco Polo, and, and uh, he walks us through and teaches us about the difference between kingdoms on the earth and the kingdom of heaven. And, and I've never, I mean, I've read a lot of stuff on the kingdom and I've never had it broken down so simply that I was actually, I could smell it. I was sitting right there in the front row and I could smell the kingdom. I could, I could feel the sun of the desert as we were walking through there. I, I was having physical encounters, as you could tell, because I couldn't get up. I was having physical encounters of what he was actually talking about and I was actually I, I know that I grasped a part of the kingdom that I still don't even know. You all did. And when you watch it, you're going to experience a part of the kingdom you've never, you've never heard before. And then, and then to have uh, Bishop Reed here to, to bring a word. We were just talking about it in the prayer room this morning. The, if, how many of you have watched, if you follow our YouTube channel, then you've gotten the interview between Pastor Penn and Pastor Reed. How many of you have seen that? No one? One? Okay, so... Go, go to YouTube, type in the Summit Dover, and it'll be one of the top ones on there. You, you have to watch the interview with Pastor Penn interviewing Bishop Reed. Um, I've, I've been around him for, Pastor Reed, for probably five, seven years. Um, I've heard pretty much, I thought, sitting at restaurants, I've heard every story. And he literally came out with stuff that I never heard, people that he'd met before. And uh, Pastor Penn just, amazingly led him in that interview. But then he got to speak on Friday night and I love that he honored Wanda and Wanda had fire. Women of God, okay. Women of God, you are not second fiddle to the man. The Lord has given you a word and you need to speak it. So whoever here is doubting that, um, I understand there's an order in the kingdom. I'm not saying that's not, I get it. The Bible gives us a clear picture of order. But I'm telling you that if you're silent as a female, the world is missing the greatest gift of the kingdom. Because you can say things with passion and with love that we could never communicate. And the world wants to shut you up and sit you down and the, the world says your voice doesn't matter and it does. When the stuff that she brought, this is very interesting because I went back and watched them. What she brought forth in two minutes was mentioned by everyone the rest of the conference. That is spectacular. That is spectacular. And Pastor Reed has always honored Wanda and that's amazing. But when, when you, I'm telling you, get in the word, get a word, and then declare it. And don't let your gender, that's why they want Never mind, I will stop. Okay, so Pastor Reed spoke about the foundation of the kingdom being love and compassion, and we have an emotional father. Radical, when you really think about it. What has the world taught men for a long time? You're not allowed to have emotion. You're not allowed to have any emotion because, because you can't control it, one, but we don't want you to have emotion because when you have emotion, you have the heart of God and we don't want that on the planet. And so he, in Pastor Reed's fashion, Rob, I don't know what I'm gonna preach, right? And he preaches about one of the foundational things that we miss in the church is that emotion is the focus of the Father. 
It's everything that he did. Sending Jesus was born out of emotion. Healing the sick, born out of emotion. It says Jesus had compassion on the multitude and he healed them. Yet we've been conditioned in our mind because we're in this world. We've, been, we've allowed the world to condition us to put God in the corner, thanks Gene. Put God in the box and not allow emotion to come out. So that was, that was totally awesome. And then Pastor Dennis, Saturday night, man, just calling out truth. I, I think that that message on Friday night is the bridal call of the church. That we don't have to deconstruct our faith. Boy, it got quiet. We don't have to deconstruct our faith to find out who Jesus really is. We don't have to apologize to our kids that we said church is important. We don't have to, we, no, 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 no. That's not how we do this thing. We, we have the manual and, and we go by what the manual says and we don't worry about what the world says. And so many denominations, so many churches, so many things are deconstructing their faith and apologizing for what they believe. And I can't even imagine how that injures the heart of God. I just can't. So he brought fire and, uh, and really spoke the truth. And I said to him, I said, um, that message will be, it is the bridal call of the church. We need to hear it all the time, over and over and over. So for those of you who aren't here, you, you have to go listen to it. I hope I'm doing a good enough short uh, synopsis of it. And then Pastor Penn on Sunday morning, talking about the greatest revival in the history of the world being John the Baptist and that his message was not a dirty, scrungy old guy eating honey and locust and annoying people with his voice, but that he carried and distributed compassion to the world and everyone, how many of you got revelation from that verse? That all of the people from the city all the people from the region went out to see him. Even the king went out to see him. If you read the Bible and you've read over that and haven't seen that, I'm gonna challenge you. This. I've read it. I've read the words, but I didn't understand the impact of the words. I've read the words a lot about that verse. And he brought out the impact of it that because of the compassion of John the Baptist, the whole city, the whole region, all came out there, even the king came out to hear what he was saying about the, the Lord. So what does that, my challenge to you is this, every time you read the scripture, pause. It's not about how fast you get through this. I know there's apps out there and they're amazing and they keep you on track. But if you're on track but off his message, you're wrong. So read the word and get everything out of it. Ask the Lord for deeper revelation every time you read it. But he talked, about, he talked about how John the Baptist had the greatest revival in the history of the world and that it came through compassion. And how do we get that compassion? I was talking with the Lord about it this week. The, the compassion that John the Baptist had that he declared to the world and they all came, how did he get that? And that was because he had a radical encounter with the king. And so your message will be filled with compassion and be impactful if you get it from the king. And there's so many messages that are not from the king, and so they just fall flat. And then Pastor Dennis came with the final night of summarizing everyone, which was amazing, and then standing in his gift. And that's where I want to stand. I, I told him when he came, I said, uh, and I, I say this to every speaker, just so you know some of the behind the scenes, it's my job to be the gatekeeper here. 
Um, that's not always easy. Um, but when there's anointed men and women of God who have a word for this house, it's my responsibility not to stand in the way, but to open the gate. And I tell each of them, as we pray in the green room, I tell them specifically, I open the gate of the sheepfold. I've, I feel that it's, a, it's an honor for me to say that, to honor them, and to honor the word that God has for them. And if I don't do it, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think that if I do do it, there's an extra level of honor that comes with that. And so I told him that, and I said, uh, I said don't worry, we have catchers available, although we couldn't keep up. Um, we, have, we have all this stuff going, and, and he's like, um, Anyway, it, it was just good. Amen. Some of you got touched and radically changed and don't try to take the microphone. It doesn't work. So this morning I want you to, I want you to turn with me to John 18. I don't want to take too much time this morning, but I feel like the Lord has something for us. And I feel like this kingdom thing it's going to be our rallying cry. It's going to be our banner. Um, because for too long we've functioned in church. For too long we've functioned in church. Now, I'm going to preface this whole thing by saying I'm not saying anything this morning to insult you. Can I preface it by saying that? I'm not, I'm not trying to insult you. I'm not trying to say that what you've done for all the years, what I've done for all the years is wrong. Although it may be. Uh, I'm, not doing, I'm not saying this anything in a negative. What I'm trying to do this morning, and I feel like the Lord wants to do, is call us higher. Okay? So John 18, verse 36 says, My kingdom is not of this world, but now my kingdom is from another place. As you were walking with Penn and and if you walked with him in your mind and in your heart, I want you to think of this. You can, he described walking through different kingdoms and that this kingdom was dirty and this kingdom had, had nastiness in it, but then you crossed over a border into a kingdom that people treated you well and they honored you and, and all of this. And then you went out of that kingdom into another kingdom, and, but you always thought of that kingdom. And, and I, wanna, I wanna preface this by saying I believe that we may be in the kingdom, but still be living from another kingdom. I believe that we can be born again, love Jesus in the kingdom of God, and yet be living under the standards of another kingdom. So as you walk through the kingdoms and you come to the kingdom of light, and the rules are different because the king is different. And, and you come into that kingdom and you say, I want to be a citizen of that kingdom. What happens? There's a transformation that happens legally when you become a citizen of a place. So when people come over to the U.S. in the correct way, and they do it the right way, they become a citizen of a country and, and a citizen of a place that has land and rules called government and they do it correctly, they now become a citizen. Now, when they sign that document and they raise their right hand and they do it the right way, when they do that, they become a legal citizen of the United States of America. 
And if you do it in another country, I'm sure they have a process too. But I'm just saying, in our country, when you do it the right way, you stand there, you do that, and then you sign a document. Now, when that happens, some things are afforded to you. There's a little book, it's out there, and I didn't grab one because I totally forgot, but it says the Constitution of the United States. Everything in that document is now afforded to you as a citizen. Before that, I mean, I went to Bolivia, and the first thing I got whenever I was on the ground was, your citizenship of the United States doesn't matter here, so do it the way that we tell you to do it. Okay, I get it. If I do something wrong, I gotta make it to that embassy because in the embassy is the only place I'm safe because that's U.S. soil. Okay, there's a lot of deeper things going on, so follow me. So, you are afforded everything in the Constitution, the rights, all the things that are given there, you're afforded. Okay, it is now to you, you have all those. Now, tell me, Someone who goes through and takes a class and learns a little bit about our history, stands there and says, I'm going to be good, and signs a document, and I pledge my loyalty to this country. When they get that constitution in their hands, no matter how much schooling they went through, how much do they actually understand? How much do they understand? I don't know. I went through a lot of Spanish class, I think four or five years. Yet whenever I went to a country that spoke Spanish, I knew nothing. I could pick out bathroom and other things, but I sure couldn't flow with them. So when, they, so when you raise your hand, you say, I'm going to put myself into this country. I'm going to be a citizen. That citizen has rights. Those rights are guaranteed in a document. As long as we have it, they're guaranteed in a document. And that those rights are for you, but you may never access them. You may never actually take advantage of the rights that you've been given because you don't know what they are. Or maybe, just maybe, you know what they are, but you don't know how to execute them. So, when you walk from kingdom to kingdom and you step into the kingdom of light and the king on the throne wants the best for everybody in the kingdom, all the other kings want their people to just serve them and die. Sometimes it's better if they just die and then I have more for me. But, but that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God wants prosperity. He wants everything for you to, to just be who he's created you to be. And you walk into that kingdom and you become a citizen of that kingdom. All of the rights of that kingdom are afforded to you, but you may not know what they are. You may not know how to execute them. But they're all for you as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, now I get to start sacrificing sacred cows. Go with me to Genesis 1. Favorite, favorite book of the Bible. It's still my favorite. When, when God created the, the earth, territory, land, he put in place a government on that land, which was his kingdom. Now, before we get into chapter two, three, four, five, and we messed it all up, this is, this is his ideal. 
So when we talk about the kingdom of God and Penn and Pastor Dennis and Pastor Reed and Wanda and Al and all the people that spoke, they, they gave us a picture of the kingdom, but I wanna go back to the original picture of the kingdom. In chapter one of Genesis, we see God's mission statement, his vision statement, and his pattern for his kingdom. Verse 26, you know this, then God said, let us make man in our image. His vision statement for mankind, his project called man. This is his vision for what his kingdom on the earth looks like. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion, but see, we missed that word. To dominate over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Yes, there's only two. Verse 28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every creeping thing and everything that moves on the earth. And he said that was very good when all that happened, right? He said, he said we're creating mankind and, and it's all good. That's his picture of what we're supposed to be implementing on the earth. Now we know that what's happened between page one of the Bible and where we are today. That mankind, think about this, mankind was given everything in there. What did they have dominion over? Everything. Right. So man had dominion over everything, and how did they fall? How did mankind fall? How did we fall as a race? We fell because the enemy said that we needed to get what we already had. I'll repeat that. We fell because the serpent said to Eve, you need to get something that she already possessed. Because if we're created in the image of God, then the serpent said, you'll be like him. And they already were. And so she sacrificed and did what he said not to do, what God said not to do. She sacrificed and what left? Did they lose the earth? No, they lost dominion over the earth. Hmm, interesting. They lost dominion and control. So then we know we can go through all the, all the books of the Bible all the way up. We got Malachi, then we have some, some time off. And then we come into the Gospels and Jesus comes on the scene to restore what? What did we read when we started this? My kingdom is not of this world, but now my kingdom is from another place. What was he saying? There is a dominion that has been given to man through Jesus that restores what happened in the garden. Now, I'm gonna read these again and I, wanna, I want you to hear my heart in this, but it's true. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, that let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing and everything that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. He did not, I did not read anywhere in there where it said have 
organized church services. I don't see anything in there where it says have a pastor break down the word for you so that you can check it off the list this week. I didn't see anything in there where it said to have amazing music. How did Adam and Eve worship God then? How did they worship him in the ideal world that he created them to be in? How did they worship him? How did they honor him? Well, we read on and it says that they used to walk with him and talk with him. See, God never created, in, in the creation of the world, he wasn't creating a religion. He didn't create a religion. But we're all focused on religion. We're all focused on doing tasks to get somewhere. Now I want to read some some things now. Now, we know that the kingdom came back in Jesus. Amen? Amen? The kingdom came back in Jesus. But Jesus never said that you have to have organized meetings and you have to have a guy up front and you gotta do this and do that and meet every week and do that. Now, am I against that? I'm not against that. But if that becomes our God, Jesus said things like this. So we know, we know that when we walk from one kingdom into another kingdom, there's different rules. Are we all clear on that? There's different rules. There's different laws. This is what Jesus said. Jesus says, love your enemy. So when you step into the kingdom of God, the rule of law says love your enemy. But you've been raised to let your enemy suffer. If you were born into the kingdom of darkness, which we all were, and we step into the kingdom of light, there's a conflict in our soul. I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that's felt this. That the world says, if that person's down, we gotta put our heel on them so they stay down so that we can get higher. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, in my Father's kingdom, We love our enemies. We love those who persecute us. Hmm. See, I think that we talk a lot about the kingdom. We may even be living in the kingdom, but we don't have a clue about our rights. If someone attacks us with hate, what did Christ say? Turn the other cheek. What does the world say? Hit them harder. If this isn't resonating with you, I I hope it does sometime, but I don't know. I grew up in a world, a world that was born out of darkness and hate. If you were born on the planet, that's the world you were born into. And there are certain things that you've been taught all throughout your life that have shaped who you are. And when you get born again, some of those things just fall off. Thank you, Jesus. Addictions fall off. Things just fall off. That's amazing. But Ephesians 4 says that you take off the old man and you put on the new man, but there's a verse in between. And the verse in between says this, you have to renew your mind. So in other words, there's this thing that tells us our rights and what we're called to do and our destiny, and it's all here, and it's afforded to us as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, but we have to know it. We have to know it. 
So when someone ridicules us or shames us or says something negative, all manner of evil against you, what do you do? Well, your flesh would say, I'm going after them. And Jesus says, continue on, my son, continue on. Oh, now this one's gonna really get you. When you are lacking food or money, Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. In fact, it says, press down, shaken together, men will give into your bosom. Very good scripture. Let's get that one. But what does the world say? Take it, steal it. You can't help anybody right now. You got nothing. God's way says this. You should treat the poor no different than you treat the rich. And the world says, Stephen, you've got status. I need to elevate you. I need to put you on a pedestal. In other words, make you a God. Jesus says this, when you do a charitable deed, do it in secret. The world says, declare from the rooftops that you're good. Jesus says this, if you lose your life, you will gain it. The world says, follow whatever makes you feel happy. Are you seeing the difference of the kingdom? We have a choice every single day. If you're born again, you're in the kingdom of God, but you can still choose to live in the other kingdom's rules in this kingdom but you will never fulfill your destiny. You will never achieve what you were created to achieve. Jesus said it's better to give than it is to receive. The world puts pressure on us to get possessions, pursue them with everything we have, keep up with the Joneses, but they're fake anyway. They just have a lot of debt. Jesus, the great physician, says this, I will come and I will heal you. And the world says, that disease you have is going to kill you. In the kingdom of God, we are called, and you can find this in Luke 22, 24 to 27, we're called to be lowly, to serve, to to be the one who goes low so that he is high. And the world says, no, 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 you need to go be the top so that you get great esteem. People will honor you. You are the one that needs to be served. The world system promotes self. In the kingdom of God, we honor him by dying to self. So we walk through the kingdoms and and we get to a place where we've met the king. We get into a place where we start to understand some of this stuff. That there's a lot afforded to us in the kingdom of God. There's a lot of promises. There's a lot of laws in the kingdom that if we follow them, we live our best life. But what happens? 
I want to share with you a vision that the Lord gave me this week. Not a vision, a picture, whatever you want to call it. And I have been processing, how do I even share this? Because it's pretty interesting. But I'm just going to tell you what I saw. I was meditating on what Penn had said about walking from kingdom to kingdom. And I came into the kingdom of the Lord. And as I was there, I realized that there were people that were leaving every single day and going into the king's palace. They were going into the throne room. They were, they were entering in boldly, just going in. And every time that they would come out, they would come out with a gift. And they would come out of the kingdom, they would come out of the, the chamber with a gift, and they would have to go home. And so they would walk from the palace to their home, and they would be carrying this beautiful gift wrapped in all kinds of great stuff. It's just a beautiful gift. And they would walk from the throne room to their home. And every time they walk from the throne room into their home, they would walk proudly because they have a gift of the king. But as they began to walk, I, I started hearing other people start to say, why is their gift so big? Why, why do they have a gift and I don't have a gift? And I began to hear this muttering and this, this divisive stuff. And, and in the divisiveness of the talk, I began to watch the faces of the people walking from the throne room to their home. And their faces were joyous when they came out of the throne room with the king. And as they walked home, their face began to change. Their posture began to change. They went into their homes with their gift. And less frequently and less frequently would they go to the throne room of the king. And so less frequently and less frequently they would be given gifts by the king. And they did it because there were people who had total access to the king. Isn't it amazing that all of us in the room today, we have access to the king's throne every single day? Every single day. There is nothing that holds you back from having access to the king unless you haven't repented of your sins and received him as your king. That's the only reason why you can't be with him. And so we all have the same access to the king and yet some would go in every single day and they'd receive a gift from the king and they would go home. And, but as the people of the kingdom, as the people of the kingdom who had equal access to the king began to ridicule them, those who had the gifts began to apologize for receiving a gift. They began to come out of the throne room and they began to say, I'm so sorry that I have this gift. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And they'd walk away and they would hide it and they would not use it. And I said, Lord, this isn't right. He said, I know. I know it's not right, but that's what's happening today in the church. Everyone in the church has equal access to the king. Only a few will go in and meet with him all that go into him receive a gift. Very few will use it because of what others will say. Do they say it because they're bad people? No. Do they say it because they're unbelievers? No, they're kingdom people. They're, they're born again. 
The only reason why they say it is because they're jealous that they haven't sacrificed their own life to go before the king. And so we have a generation that has been taught in the world that going before the king is too big of a sacrifice. Going before the king, no matter how many gifts you receive from the king, going before the king marks you. And you see, the world tells us that marking from the king is a bad thing. I don't know. Somewhere in scripture I read that if you leave father or mother, it'll be, <laughs> it'll be given to you. No one will leave father and mother and sister and brother for my name's sake. It's an honor to be marked by the king. It's an honor to receive gifts from the king. Oh, but we've gathered together in communities and in communities we have some very zealous people that will go before the king every day and get a gift. How dare they? I know I'm highlighting a problem. And if it resonates with you, it's probably because the problem persists in your realm. But I believe that the, the bride of Christ, the one who is marrying the king, the one who is being purified, all of those things are be gonna begin to fall off. And the desire of the heart of the believer is to know that all these kingdom things are for you. They're for you. And that if you don't access the king but somebody else does, it's not because they're better than you, it's because they've died more than you. And the scripture says that we're called to die. So what is that attitude? And I want to point this out. Let it sit for a second. What is the attitude of ridicule for people that go before the king? Where does that stem from? God never intended to have a religion. He only intended to have a kingdom. And a religion will highlight works every single time. And if you don't measure up to the bill, then you have to ridicule the other people to make you feel accomplished. Religion is not our hope. Religion is the Achilles heel of the church the thing that keeps us from what he wants. You see, in those verses that I read in Genesis, in, the, in the, the perfect picture of the kingdom, there was no prayer meeting, there was no singing, there was no choir, there was no preacher, there was no apostle, there was no pastor, there was no bishop. And God said, all of that is good because you're focused on me and my kingdom and the rule that I've given you to play. Do you realize that each of you in this place and those watching online, each of you this morning has been given a gift. You've been given an anointing and a calling. The, the thing that you do 
I, I have a few in my life, and, and whenever I function in them, I had, a, I had a friend of mine who set a meeting up with me with a, a local company, and uh, he came, and we, we did our deal. I, I love to do strategy sessions with businesses. We got to the end of it, and he literally stood up, and he said, that makes you come alive. Your face looks different when you do that. When, when you do that thing, your face looks different. It shines. Each one of you has that. I don't know what it is for you, but you better figure it out. When you do that thing, Shayla, when you do that thing that you come alive, that is how you honor the Lord. It's not about how many times you open this. Yes, you need to open it. You need to know everything that's afforded to you in the kingdom. That's amazing. But this is to build you. When you light up and you do the thing that God's called you to do, it's to build the kingdom. Many people will come into the kingdom because you've done what you've been anointed to do. And Adam and Eve laid that down so that they could suffer. And there's so many in the church today that have laid down the thing that you've been called to do, the dominion that you have on the earth to bring his kingdom into the earth. You've laid it down because church is what you do now. Religion is what you do now. And I'm telling you, if that's your heart, then you're sadly mistaking the king and what he's created you to do. You see, every time you stand before him, he says, son, daughter, this is exactly what I've created you to do. Now go do it. But you may take that gift and that anointing and you may go hide it away because when you use it, other people in the religious body would say you're being too boisterous. God never wanted a religion. He set up a kingdom. And that kingdom is for your success. I'll never forget Penn. He was walking this way, I believe, if I'm on the video correctly. He was walking this way, and he said, the heart of the king is that everyone in the kingdom is successful and vibrant. He didn't use those words, but that was his heart. That, that, that every rule in the kingdom, every law of the kingdom, is that everyone succeeds and that the kingdom becomes greater because they're doing what they're called to do. And I'm here to tell you, if you're not doing what you're called to do, today's the day to figure it out. Today's the day to say, listen, when I do this, I come alive. Maybe that's when you teach in a classroom. Maybe that's when you run your business. Maybe, whatever it is, I don't know. But if you're not doing it, then you're not alive. And kingdom, the kingdom is ready for you to live because there's a day coming when he's coming back and he's gonna say, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? Every day that you didn't do what I called you to do, you missed these people that I put you in front of. Church, it is, it's my heart for you that you get this deep inside of you and you pull out whatever that is and you say, I will not go a day of my life without executing what he's given me. I know I have a friend who I've watched him do a lot of different things in his life. And we had a meeting a month or two ago and he said he's gonna be doing this next thing and he's jumped from thing to thing to thing. Entrepreneurial heart, that's what we do. We jump from thing to thing to thing. Amazing guy. 
when he said what he was going to do for his next thing, and I'm not going to blow it out of the water, when he said, I'm going to do this next, I saw that thing in his eye. He'll be successful doing that, and he'll probably never go to anything else. If you're a hunter and you love to teach people how to hunt, then by golly, you better be doing it every single day. And those people that come to you better meet Jesus and learn the skill that he gave you. If you have compassion and you love people and you drive them around in big boxes with lights on them, if that's what you're called to do to save their life, then do it, but they better meet Jesus in the midst. They better not meet church. They better not meet religion. They better meet Jesus because we were created in his image. Are you living your destiny? Are you living it out? Because when you do, the world, the dark, dark world, will see light coming through you. And that's what you're called to do. That's what you're called to do. And there's no age limit on that. Pastor Reed, 90 years old. He'll sit in front of a camera. He'll stand on a platform or on the floor. He'll do it because that's his anointing and his call. And what do you get out of it? You see Jesus in a new way. So in the first two chapters of Genesis, this is what I hear. I don't hear religious services and all that stuff. What I hear is this. God, man, earth, dominion, power, authority, leadership, rulership over the planet. That's what he created and that's what you're here for. Will you do it? Will you do it? It's much more comfortable. I get it. It's much more comfortable. Come in, sit down. Pastor takes word, breaks it down, hands it to you. You consume it. Then you come back next week. Pastor better have a good word. It's not the kingdom. This is what you're created for. God, man, earth, dominion, power, authority, leadership, rulership over this planet. When you focus and when you walk in your destiny... You will have authority on the planet that no one can question because it doesn't come from you. It comes from him. God's entire focus is rulership of the earth through you. That's it. He called you to rule and reign on the earth. And that means that his rules, his things that afford. If the first thing you do when you need food is you go steal it, or whatever way you want to call it. Or, or the religious way to say that would be if the first thing you knew and you needed to do, have food is that you go work harder for it. I got to go get another job. You might be functioning in a kingdom that's not his. If when someone ridicules you and shames you and calls you all dirty, nasty things, if your first thing to do is to say it right back or to react, you're probably in the kingdom of God as a believer, but functioning under, under the other rules. My encouragement for you today, if you'd stand with me, is this, that you are created with a destiny. When you function in that destiny, light will flow from you that will be annoying to the world. It will be so bright they can't put it out. And nobody in the religious church can put it out either. How's that? 
So my challenge for you is this. If you don't know what that is, go to the king. He's got a bunch of gifts for you. He'll show you exactly how to use them too if you ask him. And don't ever let someone ridicule your gift. The reason why we allow them to stop, we allow others to ridicule us and we stop using our gift is because we have probably created an Ishmael that we know isn't from the Lord and so we stop. I know that was heavy, I'll stop now. Father, today we thank you. We thank you that through Jesus we have open access to you. Lord, teach us how to repent. Teach us how to die to ourselves that we may be alive for the world to see your greatness, to see your love, to see your light, and to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, for every person in this room, if they don't know what that thing is that lights them up, then Lord, show it to them, reveal it to them, help them see it. And Lord, the responsibility of the church is not to ridicule those gifts, but to go and call them out. To pull that gift out of somebody and say, listen, we're gonna work together to see the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have a few quick announcements before we go today. Um, this Thursday is Senior Life, so if you are six years older, make sure that you're here at noon on Thursday for an awesome lunch and a good word and some good fellowship. And then next Wednesday, February 1st, like a week from Wednesday, so February 1st at 6.30 is Family Connect, so make sure you're here for that and you bring a friend. Have a blessed week, everyone. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.